Hey, Five Oakers, and anyone else joining us for the on-demand portion of our sermon. Today, we're looking at something that easily derails our spiritual passion and our witness as bearers of God's gospel to the world. It also easily robs us of joy or sometimes builds false hope in our lives. So what is this terrible thing? It's politics. The presidential election year can be, for some of us, one of the hardest times to keep our focus on loving people that we disagree with. And when I say some of us, I'm not, I'm not being rhetorical. It's hard for me. It's actually really hard for me. Today's sermon is about how to prepare your heart for November 5th, the day after the presidential election. The message on Jonah 1 through 4, which is our passage for today as we work our way through the book of Jonah, is amazingly relevant for this. So here's the question. On the day after the election, will you experience peace, joy, and confidence in God above all else, no matter the outcome? All right, so what about those of you who don't care about politics? You don't need to listen to this sermon. Okay, I'm just kidding. The reality is that not even you can escape placing your hopes and dreams too heavily and ultimately in things that aren't ultimate. Even you have people you don't like or people that you see as a threat in your life. And you have trouble loving them. You don't get a pass. I want to say up front that the Bible affirms political involvement and politics are important. Elections have real consequences that impact real people's lives and the future of nations. And I admit I'm, I'm very political in my thinking. Yeah, sometimes I get sick of it, but it always draws me back in. I definitely have a political slant. This sermon today is as much for me as it is for you. But over the last three decades, I've read some of the leading thinkers on faith and politics. I've explored the scriptures extensively, and for 23 years, I've helped guide our church through the quagmire that politics can become. I may get caught up in politics and some of the negatives of it, but I know where true north is because the Bible and the gospel kept in their proper place in our lives overcome the negatives. What if the day after the election, you had peace, joy, and confidence in God above all else, no matter the outcome? You can, and we'll look at how it's important for you but it's also important for God's mission. People far from God are watching Christians all the time. And you know that we're called to be on mission for God all the time, pointing people to the love and grace of God. So before we get into the text, let me, let me share a couple of quick things with you. If you're watching our service on demand, you'll notice that we're not including the whole service, at least for now. Uh, for the whole service, we invite you to attend the live stream at 9 and 11 in the morning on Sundays or come in person for that, um, for that either one of those services. And in this time of COVID and so many watching online, it's so important to stay informed and connected. So please watch or listen to this highlight announcement. Don't fast forward. Thanks in advance. Hi Five Oaks, I'm Kevin Johnson, Impact Director at Five Oaks. Most of you have now heard about the BLESS campaign and that the campaign is about moving us to take part in God's greater purpose, to create change through the hope, love, and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. 
With the chaos in the world today, it's hard to know where to start. We'd like to help you to start simply and then guide you to deeper engagement in God's purpose. We refer to this process as the impact journey with three phases, ready, set, and go. Ready is giving or donating. Set is to begin to personally engage those you are serving. And go is to continue to be personally engaged in an ongoing way. Last year, we introduced the Impact Journey Passport with opportunities in all three of these phases. Today, we introduced the BLESS Impact Passport and we'll be featuring it throughout the BLESS campaign. The passport provides five options to impact those around you right now and also contains the three types of opportunities, ready, set, and go. There's also a kids section in the passport. So bless your city and the world. Engage in one or more of the opportunities in the BLESS Impact Passport Registration for the events is easy. If you're watching on our website live or on demand, visit fiveoaks.church slash blesspassport to access the electronic Bless Passport. The electronic passport has direct registration links for the events. If you're worshiping in person, you found the Bless Passport on your chair. You can just scan the QR code to access the electronic passport with the registration links or you can follow the alternate instructions on the printed passport. Thank you. What if the day after the election, you had peace, joy, and confidence in God above all else, no matter what the outcome? Today's text addresses how. So let's take a moment to pray and then to ask God and to ask God to teach us, and then we'll look at the text. Father, we do ask you to teach us. We ask you to break through the barriers that we put up in our minds and our hearts. And we pray that you would empower us by your word to live your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah chapter 4, beginning verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? So verse 2 in chapter 4 is the big reveal in the story. For someone reading the story for the very first time, 4-2 is completely unexpected. It's one of those moments where you have to go back and you have to rethink everything so far in the story. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie, if you've seen one of those, where a big reveal is made and then they show flashbacks of how it, you know, what was actually happening during those scenes. The story begins with God calling his prophet Jonah to go preach a warning and a repentance message to Israel's biggest enemy, the Assyrians. He tells him to go preach in their capital city, Nineveh. The first-time reader thinks Jonah's afraid to go because instead of going to Nineveh, he heads in the opposite direction by boat. God whips up a storm, and he ends up in the sea and swallowed by a big fish where he, the prophet, repents for disobeying God. After his confession, the fish vomits him onto the shore. But here in this passage, we learn what his real concern was, and why he tried to exit the story of God, the story that God is writing and calling him to participate in. After preaching to Nineveh, the nation responds positively 
and Jonah complains. And in his complaint, we discover why he fled God in the first place. It says, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah is unhappy with the outcome. He wants to defeat the enemy. He doesn't want to win them over. By the way, we need to remember one of the defining marks of a committed follower of Christ who is politically engaged. We care about our nation and about, our peop- and, and, and about people's lives, and we know political uh, policies impact human flourishing. If we care, we should want our side to win. But here's what marks us off. Winning politically isn't everything. We are on a mission for Jesus. His kingdom is our highest allegiance and the only lasting and true hope for humanity. And another defining mark, his ways are our ways. And we know Jesus was willing even to lose so that he might win many over. He was more interested in winning over people eternally than he was in winning temporarily. He taught us to love our enemies. And that is foundational to everything else that I'm about to say. The day after the election, can you experience peace and joy and confidence in God no matter what the outcome? Here's the plan for peace, joy, and confidence in God when possibly the day after the election, our opponents have won the day. It begins by rightly ordering our affections. By affections, I mean the things that we love, the things that we feel passionate about, the things that give us hope. Many years ago, I had a friend who thought pastor and author Rick Warren was a scourge on the church. Rick Warren had just recently written his massive bestseller, The Purpose Driven Life. And as with anything, anyone who gets some attention, there's always trolls and haters. And, and this friend of mine read some critiques of Warren and of his book, and he bought into them without checking the sources or checking into the accuracy of the critiques. And in my opinion, the critiques that he was spouting back to me had little or no substance. It was, typic- it was just typical hate propaganda, and it got to the point where we couldn't even talk about it, and it began to impact our friendship. The one pastor that we could agree on as being a blessing to the church around the world was John Piper. So I eventually just tried to steer the conversations around pastors or sermons toward that area of agreement. My friend loved, I mean really loved Piper, and he quoted one particular sermon of Piper's often. Then John Piper invited Rick Warren to his pastor's conference, and he did a three-hour interview with him, and in the end, he ended up endorsing Warren in his ministry. When that happened, what do you think my friend did? You'd think he'd rethink his hate for Warren. But instead, he added Piper to his hate list. I never would have imagined it. But he hated Warren more than he loved Piper. And that's part of what's going on in Jonah. Jonah hates the godless Assyrians and he loves God until God, in his love and mercy and grace, wants Jonah to bless the Assyrians who he hates. Then we learn everything about where Jonah's love, where his passions and his affections lie. He hates the Assyrians more than he loves God. When our politics 
derail our mission to love and reach out with God's grace, even to our enemies and to those who oppose our political ideals, we need to reorder our affections. We need to confess where our heart actually is. We need to repent of it. And we need to cultivate our love for God instead of continually cultivating our hate for our political opponents. Ask yourself honestly, please, am I cultivating my love for God more than I'm cultivating my um, political passions? In his book on Jonah, Tim Keller draws some lessons on politics and on our affections from an essay by C.S. Lewis, an essay on patriotism. C.S. Lewis had fought for his country in World War I. Uh, he had been wounded. He had lost many of his friends in that war. And he was a man who felt pride and love for his country. And yet he begins his essay on patriotism by saying this, we all know now that the love of country becomes a demon when it becomes a God. Now the we know now that Lewis was referring to was what had happened in Germany under Nazism. But Lewis wasn't anti-patriotic. He notes, for example, Jesus's patriotism for Israel when he laments over Jerusalem. And Lewis also said anti-patriotism could sometimes be just as demonic. Then he offered a great way to look at our political affections. Lewis breaks down patriotism or love of country into several categories and he says some of these are less likely than others to lead to evil or to putting the love of country over the love of God. Now I don't have time to go into the details but basically his point is that the love of country begins with a healthy love of what's familiar, a healthy love of our home, the people who live there, the landscape and the culture but it often moves to idealizing home and whitewashing our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Then it can shift again to a feeling of superiority. And at its worst, that feeling justifies acts of cruelty, oppression, exclusion, and sometimes even extermination. So a healthy love of home and country can become making invalid excuses for evil, feeling superior and even justifying cruelty or a win-at-all-cost mentality. But this isn't inevitable. It's not a sin to be patriotic, but it can quickly progress along those negative lines. The pathway to disordered patriotic affections that Lewis lays out is clearly reflected in Jonah's heart. And I think we need to ask the question of ourselves at this time of year. Do I hate my political opponents more than I love God. You prepare your heart for November 5th by rightfully ordering your affections. You cultivate your love for God instead of continuing to cultivate your hate for your political opponents. Second, you identify your idols. This is absolutely important. Jonah wants to die. Look at Jonah 4.3. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. If you love your country or you believe in the potential of your country and you truly believe that a certain leader or party or politician is going to do great damage to your country that you love or that another leader or party or politician is actually going to do, be better for your country, it's understandable and even appropriate to grieve when your candidate or party loses. 
Politics are important. And grieving the loss is normal because you love and you concer you're concerned for your nation. I'm not saying don't be disappointed. I'm not saying that on November 5th, you should not grieve if your party or uh, candidates lose. But inordinate grieving often reveals our idols. What Paul says to believers in Thessalonica about grieving the loss of loved ones is applicable to political losses as well. This is what he says to them. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. In other words, Paul is saying that if our hope is ultimately in God and his kingdom and our first priority is his kingdom purposes, then it should soften the blow of political losses. Or maybe our hope isn't very real. Our idol is our country or our idol is our party. Here are some very important diagnostic questions that get down to the bottom of who and what we love most when it comes to politics. One question is, does my, my approach to political disagreements align with biblical wisdom? Or are the methods that I use in the words of James earthly, unspiritual, and demonic? Am I seeking to destroy my opponents or to rescue them with the gospel? Does what I say conduct, the, does that, the way that I conduct myself in political discussions reflect the fruit of the Spirit? And when I seek to correct or oppose someone's viewpoint, is it with the goal of winning the conversation or winning a neighbor? Jonah has some confessing and repenting to do. How about you? How about me? If your hope and joy depend on the outcome of the election and you call yourself a Christian, listen to how the Spirit is speaking to you right now. What if? What if the day after the election you had peace, joy, and confidence in God no matter what the outcome? You can, and you can do so by preparing your heart for November 5th by rightfully ordering your affections, by, as I said, cultivating your love for God instead of continuing to cultivate your hate for your political opponents. Secondly, by identifying your idols. Third, you do this by clinging to amazing. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how amazing, amazing grace is. Jonah discovered it in the belly of the fish, but he seems to have forgotten it. And the reality is we all do. The amazingness of grace always can go deeper and deeper into our hearts. I read a great analogy for this uh, recently. And during the building of Interstate 79 from Pittsburgh to Lake Erie, there was this one stretch that remained unfinished for, for years because of a swamp that had to be crossed. They kept putting uh, down pilings, uh, trying to finally get to the bottom so that the bridge wouldn't sink. But whenever they thought they had gotten to bedrock, the piling would give way and they would have to go back and drill deeper. Jonah's heart was like that. Every time it seemed that he had taken God and his grace to the very bottom, it turned out that he needed to go deeper. Cling to the amazing grace that reminds you of your need and levels the playing field of humanity. Don't put your enemies out of the reach of grace and don't think for a moment that you are above your enemies. We're all part of the problem. We all need grace. Do you even for a moment think that you're better and more righteous before God because of your politics? 
better than someone with him with whom you disagree? If you do, you may not really understand God's grace. God is trying to rekindle Jonah's heart for God's mission throughout this story. And through this story and the application of it to our lives, he's trying to rekindle our passion for his mission of spreading the message of his love and grace, for spreading the gospel. So every week as part of the series, we've been asking, what is my outreach temperature? What's the temperature of my passion for God's mission? Where are you right now on a scale of one to 10? Be honest. I think reordering your affections, identifying your idols, turning to the only true God and his amazing grace raises our temperature. What can you do this week to raise your temperature? The more you move to the right on that scale, the more joy you'll experience and the more your confidence will be placed on a great and solid foundation. Take your temperature and determine what you need to do to raise it during this week. God bless you. Well, hello, Five Oaks family. Welcome to the Weekly Fog. Pastor Love here. This is the fall kickoff weekend of a great ministry year ahead. It's unprecedented, but when you think of the unprecedented things that have happened in the past, many of those things were pretty awesome. What's awesome about our church family right now is the ways that we're working and finding to connect as we journey through this pandemic together. Our Five Oaks goodness this weekend is about the return and ramp up of Five Oaks students and kids ministry. That's right. More than 100 middle and high school students came together to kick off Wednesday night youth group this past week. And just as awesome were their volunteer leaders who returned to pick up right where they left off this past spring. I can't begin to tell you how awesome it was to see the reunions of students together and students with their leaders. It was fantastic. Five Oaks Kids launches with something new this weekend as well with our nursery and preschool programming returning and the Five Oaks family experience continuing in the gym. We're celebrating our church community this weekend. Wherever you're watching, know that we are together in Christ working to create new rhythms and connection points and we will continue to take steps together into this new ministry year. Here we go, Five Oaks. Let's go. Have a great weekend. Stay kind, do good, and raise a hallelujah. This is Pastor Love signing off from another great edition of the Weekly Fog.